Welcome to Make It Happen. My name is Tom Dalton. Each episode will have an inspiring guest tell their story of overcoming obstacles, never settling, and making it happen. Don't forget to share, subscribe, and review. So grab a coffee. Hope you enjoy the pod. Let's go. Okay, so we are live. Welcome to Making It Happen. My name is Tom Dalton. I'm delighted to say we are on episode number 49. Uh, we're nearly at the 50 mark. Um, and my next guest is Owen Conroy. Owen Conroy is the co-founder and CEO of Titan Experience. He's developed several key competencies and strategies in the areas of business and sales over his career. And we're going to get deep, deep dive into conversations of sport management, Iron Man, some of the clients he's worked with, but we're really going to dive down into, I suppose, Owen's background into entrepreneurship and how we get into the business. So, Owen Conroy, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Tom. Thanks for having me. Um, so, Owen, like I start with most of the guests, uh, growing up, childhood, talk to us a little bit about that. Um, yeah, the, the accent is still pretty heavy. Um, Claire Mann, um, well, I'm 44 now. Born in 77, grew up in uh, in Ennis, born in Ennis, originally lived in the town of Ennis when I was eight, nine, and then um, out to the parish of Dura, which is a rural village just outside Ennis, uh, where I grew up. Um, eldest five, uh, three younger brothers and uh, a younger sister. Um, and yeah, I mean, sports, obviously, no more so than many young boys and girls, dominated life, uh, dominated day-to-day life. Um, always, always enjoyed the education side of things as well. If I'm being, you know, being honest, um, and um, would have gone from Dura National School into Saint Flannan's, which was, you know, a big change for anyone who went into secondary school at the time. And uh, really, really enjoyed enjoyed secondary school. Um, came out of Flannan's in '95, and then onto onto the University of Limerick, and through. The education process, I guess, and I think back to childhood and first jobs. I, just recently, I was doing a talk in Colossal Owen there in Slorgan, and it was around the career side of things, talking to young transition year, leaving certain students and asking them, you know, are any of them, any of them a part-time job? And a lot of teenagers now don't for you know various different reasons, whether from maybe focus on education or summer school or whatever it is. But certainly, you know, back in the... Uh, Early 90s, my first job um, as an 11, 11-year-old was working in an electrical store, local hardware in Ennis. And truth be told, that's probably where passion for business and passion for, for, for sales and selling was, was born. So my first electric kettle when I was 11. Um, and you can imagine the wide eyes I'm getting in Kalosh to now as I'm telling these stories. But it was a great, I guess... Um, way of finding your fees and engaging with people beyond the school system um, so certainly very very enjoyable um, a time in my life and then headed on to UL where I did business studies and marketing met my future co-founder Declan there uh, and I'm just back from London actually I was over at the weekend for London Irish against Wasps and in 1998 on co-op I was given the opportunity along with a great friend of mine Michael Dinky Condon to go to uh, a lot of the guys were and girls were going to Dublin or Limerick or wherever the case may be from a co-op perspective. But we got the opportunity to go to London and to Croydon and to the largest independently owned hotel uh, chain in the time, Principal Hotels. 
and they did a golf course, actually hosted a lot of the Premier League clubs um, on match weekends. And in so many ways, the hospitality DNA was always there with me, even though I was working as part of a business and marketing degree. My mother uh, would have worked in the hospitality sector for uh, most of her career. Uh, my dad is an engineer and loved that time in Europe. Absolutely loved it. Uh, loved co-op. And uh, right through all of that, we still played hurling at home and things like that. So, yeah, in a way, as I think about it and talk about it now, you, you, you look back and you, you think, how did those experiences or jobs or, or experience, experiences I touched on shape what you were going to do after college? Because I think if you were to ask me when we were in university, um, either myself or Declan, you know, I, I don't know even then at maybe 18, 19, 20, did I have a sense that I wanted to start my own company or that I had a sense that we wanted to go down the entrepreneurial route. That probably came a little bit later on. Um, again, I wouldn't have described myself as well-read beyond uh, what I had to do from an academic perspective and passing exams. But certainly, um, I think around the age of 18, 19, or 19, 20, I read Richard Branson's autobiography, his original one. Uh, it was called Losing My, uh, Losing My Virginity. Um, and obviously, significantly dominated by the journey he went on, starting with Virgin Records. But I certainly remember um, falling in love with that story. And maybe that's where the, 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 uh, the entrepreneurial seeds were sown that maybe manifested themselves a few years later. But yeah, great times. And... Um- was there anyone own in your family growing up that was had their own businesses going that you maybe thought this is something I could do, or was it more just college and meeting Declan? No, I, I was always. Um, I remember, like obviously, I think I mentioned my dad was an engineer, and like any any young boy, and certainly the eldest, I remember being dragged out and and fascinated with engines. My father was always obsessed with motorbikes, engines. I mean, he owned several motorbikes when he was younger. Um, and would always be playing with engines, taking them apart, putting them back together. But I could not be more unrelated to that as a profession. I remember standing outside the hood of his car and my hands would be shaking, holding the torch for him as God knows what he was doing with the radiator. I hadn't a clue what was going on. Uh, I didn't have a graw for it. But another interesting kind of dimension to that, and I can recall it fairly clearly, was... um, for some reason, dad was obsessed with um, saddles and bicycles. And the High Nelly, which is a famous old bicycle, used to have this monstrous um, saddle with springs and all kinds of vibration capabilities or sustained vibrations. And it was incredibly aesthetically not very attractive, but a very much a fit for purpose for, for the old bicycle. And for whatever reason, um, dad seemed to be obsessed with how he would change the cycling saddle and he would have drawns he'd been drawn home from work we would look at them i certainly remember dad and me and dad talking about that and I'm not sure if dad had ambitions i didn't ask you know ask him directly or subsequently dad unfortunately got a he's good he's in carrie house in 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 the market but dad suffered a pretty traumatic brain injury um, at 59 60 just when he'd retired and was probably maybe going to pursue some of those passions and maybe some of that as well, no more so than what I touched on with Richard Branson. I remember like enjoying a lot of that dialogue with my dad and could we set up a business? And I remember us 
looking at all kinds of saddles and we'd look at the Tour de France and we'd like, how could that saddle be fit for purpose um, and things like that. So, but no, not in the, not, not, not Tom in the kind of, I don't think it was anybody within the, the wider family network that owned a company. I think maybe one of the seminal moments there, um, I remember joining, I was very, very lucky, um, coming out of university, came back from J1 in the States in 99, and I was back working in uh, the Clarion Hotel and Golf Club where I, I was barman for a number of years in summers in college. And I got an opportunity to apply for a temporary position. And it was in AirSA, uh, which was the now Vodafone, on the prepaid, uh, prepaid phone side of things. And I was literally brought in to, um, as archaic as it sounds, uh, to the more younger listeners, literally... It was a go-card, you had a physical go-card to top up your phone. And all over the country, because prepaid had exploded, all these go-card agents had set up, um, like it was like a retail news agent's uh, product, really. And Airsell needed uh, somebody to come in. They had sent out a new contract to all of these retailers, and there was a thousand plus of them. And they needed them back because they changed commission structure. So it was my job to ring them all every hour, every day, and slowly but surely get them back in. And the, the prepaid team was very small back then. Great guys like Bill Blake, uh, Maura Hartnett, the trainer, Brian Sheridan, all looked out and looked after me and probably heard maybe how I was enjoying, engaging, and talking to all these retailers. And um, they offered me a position then to, uh, to, to take up a phone pack account role, another sales role within but in Airsa, and that was an incredibly entrepreneurial environment, Tom. Prepaid was exploding in 99, 2000, 2001, and I was swept away and got exposure to everything from the marketing side of the business, the content side of the business. It was only just developing. Text was just coming on, showing my age now. Um, and it was just a great environment to be in. But I remember about two years in, and I was full-time at that stage, maybe 23, 24 and there was a reorg, and, and, and it wasn't the most seismic of reorgs, but I remember striking, I remember talking to my dad at the time, and certainly as part of the reorg, 10 jobs was becoming six or 12 was becoming eight. I can't recall what it was. And I remember how stressful, it didn't affect me at all, but I remember how stressful it was for some of the colleagues, older colleagues of mine that I'd grown to know and, and become friendly with, and how, you know, the loss of power or the sense of your destiny could be shaped like that. And I remember that striking a chord with me thinking geez you know you could be at x level on one day and maybe at y level another and you know that they're the swings and roundabouts of business don't get me wrong there's nothing wrong with reorgs or restructures but i remember thinking yeah god if you were the master of your own destiny or owned your own company you wouldn't uh, be subject to those uh, swings from time to time i think the other interesting one as well um i remember and I joke about this with my friends from college. Uh, we're on a couple of WhatsApp groups. Uh, I think I wrote an email called I may have been watching. I don't know if the reality entrepreneurial TV show side of things had started, but for some reason, I started to gravitate more towards the thought process of starting my own company. And I wrote an email called the, uh, and to this day, Decky maintains is the only one that responded to the email which is probably true given that about two years later we set up our own company, but wrote an email called the Think Tank. And I put all the guys on it. I was in college with, you know, a close crew of about 10, 12 of us. The premise being that, hey, you know, we're all relatively well-educated. You know, we come through co-op, we start in fledgling careers. Wouldn't it be interesting for us to 
maybe start a think tank or a, a group we'd meet together maybe or talk once a month or I don't know what the premise was in terms of how we would structure it but it was the whole idea or maybe we could come up with ideas maybe we could come up with new business ideas and um, as I said Decky maintains he was the only one that responded to that but sure enough we started meeting uh, more regularly um, from that point on from 2002 onwards just yeah. yourself and Declan yeah, and then we founded the business, Tom, in, in, in the summer, primarily of 2005. But, um, and on, before we jump into that, what yeah. was Declan's background? What was, was, was he doing something similar, sales, marketing, or what was his background at the time? Well, I mean, when you were in UL and you did marketing and business studies, which I did, it was called Fish and Chips. <laughs> it was a little bit harsh on the marketing discipline. But Declan, I think Declan was, was he business and international studies or business insurance or business? I must ask him now, but it, it was a completely different discipline. And Declan then, where I gravitated towards a sales role within AirSA, Declan was on, if memory serves me, was he on the graduate program initially with Accenture? But it was definitely on the management consultancy route he was going and doing very well as well. Um, really enjoying it. Uh, you know, we were the two opposites of a, of a coin, really, uh, in terms of... And that, obviously, was, was part of the magic that worked for us and served us so well for so many years. But Declan was very much more of... If I was sales, maybe, in commercial, he came from more of a background of... of and again, Declan was the eldest of, eldest of four. You know, Colin, Paul, and Teresa, yeah. And his dad was an entrepreneur, so that's an interesting one there. You know, De- uh, Mick was a... Mick was and is a, a builder his own construction business and um but yeah we were you know, different personalities Declan was probably a bit more introverted than me and uh, quieter than me and we wouldn't have been overly friendly in uni but we knew each other uh, he did he actually funnily enough I think he went to co-op in London as well and we used to meet now and again through mutual friends so we both arrived back to Dublin and came to Dublin in the same time late 99 2000 and it kind of moved on from there but then you know a little bit differently to me Declan was more individual sports his, his family a massive DNA athletics his brother Paul is uh, his two brothers Paul is the head of now uh, the head of athletics at DCU Colin is a regional development officer athletics Ireland and St. Abbans athletic club along with GAA would have been a huge part of Declan's upbringing played minor for Leash so we big shared passions in sport but Declan certainly had a a wider kind of compass I was you know in terms of um, athletics so we a lot in common but then kind of different in ways that maybe worked for us too if that's maybe where you were going with that and Owen was there a tipping point you were meeting Declan you were coming up with these ideas you were in a job at the time what was the point where you're always going to go out on your own or was it just there was good synergy at the time and go let's give this a shot Declan Oh, no, no, God, Tom, it wasn't as straightforward as that, unfortunately. I mean, <clears throat> we, uh, I remember how I think a colleague I, I, I was working for and became very friendly with Bill Blake, a good friend of mine. I was living with Bill in Red Farnham, I think I want to go about 2002, 2003. And I think Bill was going to the States. He got a secondment to go with kind of, was it Verizon? or was connected to mobile anyway. And he was moving out. So Declan moved in. So there was a nice synergy there. Um, and we started what we used to call Super Saturdays. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and there was great discipline to that. I mean, we would literally sit down at nine o'clock on a Saturday morning, 
my train earlier that day. Then we might be heading off that evening playing games. I could be going to Clare, could be going to Leash. But we would commit seven, eight hours, certainly on Saturdays, to developing all kinds of ideas and concepts in, 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 in many respects, Tom. And kept kind of coming back to sport. Um, then a couple of opportunities presented themselves. I, I remember um, in the summer of 2004, I was lucky. I, Aircell had been taken over by Vodafone and I'd been given the position of head of content and news, which covered sport for Vodafone Live. And I literally was being paid to go to all kinds of conferences, both in the UK, both here in Ireland. And I was very lucky too in that an awful lot of the sports propositions and content acquisition that Vodafone UK did, Vodafone Ireland got an opportunity to either consult on or be a part of its development. So one of the great conferences I went to in, I think, early 2004 was, um, was a business sport conference in Stamford Bridge. And I met a great guy there called Colin McNeil. And Colin was the head of marketing for Hibernian Football Club. Hibs and Hearts, obviously, in Edinburgh, and your Rangers in Celtic and Glasgow. And he did a presentation that afternoon, and I, I can remember elements of it to this day. It was absolutely brilliant. He was just talking about how, as a business of sports organisation, Hibs Football Club, because your Rangers and Celtic maybe had salary um, wage, you know, wage budgets of 30 million per annum. Hibs is about 2 million, more like what a League of Ireland club might have. So as a result, from a commercial perspective, he had to sweat each and every asset and develop additional ones that the football club could, that he could develop in partnership with the football club. And we just ended up over dinner that night, he mentioned about how Hibs would have had a stronger, original kind of history with Ireland and how they used, you know, they normally go to Spain or Portugal for pre-season. And wouldn't it be interesting to, to um, consider going to Dublin? And of course, Myself and Declan spotted an opportunity. So I actually ran, this sounds mildly, mildly corrupt. It won't be the first, might not corrupt, but <laughs> mildly underhand. But sometimes you got to fake it to make it. So I actually rang Colin. I kept in touch with him. And I rang him about two months after the conference. And I may have inferred that I left Vodafone. I changed my voicemail. I took the Vodafone off my voicemail. I said in Vodafone. Because when you're starting up like that, Tom and Declan would tell you the same. And I'm sure others that, have been on this journey for us it was kind of important to stay as employed as long as possible before we made the leap how far could we bring the business plan how many variables could we remove could we raise investment how could we ultimately we were trying to do without you know compromising what we were doing for our employers but how many variables and how far could we bring the business plan before we could take that big leap so we actually ran Colin back and we told him that i'd left Vodafone and the company was up and running and that we would take Hibernian over and we went and we arranged a pre-season tour for them that played out in the summer of 2005. And we made no money on this, by the way. Uh, not that we wouldn't have charged, but look, the naivety of it. We ended up organising three games between Chamber Grover, St. Pat's, and then at the European Capital Cultural Cup, famously against Cork City, Turner's Cross, five and a half thousand there. And sometimes you do have these moments um, because, you know, in the early days when you're, developing a business or you're thinking about developing a business or you think you've seen a gap or you know you're asked to put a business plan around it and that can be difficult to put numbers on these things and but your god is telling you there's something there and sometimes along that journey if you stick with it and stick to the discipline of business planning don't get me wrong but you can have these moments and we certainly had one of those moments when that played out because here we are two 25 year olds we'd organized this Hibs loved it it went really, really, really well. 
we thought to ourselves, wow, okay, I think we can do this. Now, fast forward to the first week of October 2005, and we had made, we left, Declan had left Mazars, I had left Vodafone. And I remember we were in the Terry New Enterprise Center in the old cinema room up there. I mean, man, it was the smallest office in the world. You actually had to open the window to get the broadband in. I remember sitting there in a skiing jacket, freezing with the cold. And myself and Declan, we had so much fun. We worked hard. We demanded so much of each other. But we always had fun. I'll never forget turning to him. And the landline was sitting on the desk, two beautiful clean desks, right on top of each other. And I said, lad, I said, will you turn there? What page is it on the business plan that says that when we arrive into the office the first Monday morning, the phone is just going to start ringing? And of course, it wasn't going to ring. And that was one of the things that you, you learn so much and you look back and when you're trying to maybe mentor or give a steer or two to developing entrepreneurs or developing businesses was that, you know, we completely underappreciated, Tom. You get a lot of goodwill and a lot of good luck messages and you think you have a network built but it's only till you actually go out that you can get a sense of which areas of network are going to work for you, which won't, and which areas do you have to develop. And that can be a steep learning curve. And we had Declan, actually through a friend of his, we, we had raised about 14K in finance. That's what we started the business with. Uh, Declan, through a friend, Philip McGuinness, we had done these retail location studies for one of the dairy uh, co-ops. I think we got 1,500 um, per report. We'd done 10 of them. And that's what we started the business with, with 14K in the bank. I think we turned over about 100K in our first year, obviously barely paying ourselves and all that good stuff. But, you know, we were up and running. Um, and, you know, I mean, you know, we've, we've so many twists and turns along that road over the last 16, 17 years. But funny, I haven't done an interview like this in a while and, and, and I can feel myself smiling, you know, thinking back to, all those early days, all the all, all, all that we built from the ground up, you know, networking, relentless networking. I think looking back, if you were to ask me, what would you have done differently? I think that when you draft, when you start out with a maybe an entrepreneurial adventure, I'm just talking about our experience here, Tom. It's not the same for everybody. But sometimes when you get into the doing, get into the building, you can grab it. You can start to move away from the business plan without even knowing it. Drifting away from the strategy without even knowing it. Or maybe not committing enough time on an ongoing basis to developing and tweaking that strategy. And maybe we could have got to different areas of success points a little bit quicker. I don't know. But I probably wouldn't change anything either. But maybe could have done it in a less stressful environment at times. Um, but, you know, we had so much fun, certainly in the in the early part of it like you know Kira who's still with us Kira joined us in 2006 of course I joke with Declan on this that he didn't truly commit to the business because he had been asked by I think it was through consultancy contact or he'd done a master's in Smurfit that's what it was and he was lecturing he was doing a certain amount of lecturing in professional services in the Michael Smurfit School of Business so he kept that going but it was great for us because it allowed us to access emerging talent talent and our first and still works for us today Kira Lucy Kira came in as an intern I'm going to say late 2006 early 2007 she's still with us she's obviously a director with us now um, but I'd often joke with Declan that you know he didn't really let go of the life raft at the beginning because he had the lecture to fall back on albeit it was about one hour every two weeks but anyway uh, great times great days and um, just two things to pick up on there um, 
the name? Was it always Titan Experience? No, no, no. We started off as Burn Conroy Consulting. And to this day, if you look at our limited company name, it's Vicon Consulting. This will give you a laugh. I mean, when we developed it, so, and again, you talk about strategy, but sometimes survival mindset also kicks in. So we were very lucky. And the enterprise center we went into in Terranure was full of brilliant people, brilliant companies. I don't know if Michelle is still there, but led by a lady called Michelle Hannon, who's incredibly good to us. And Declan had the lecturing background. And we weren't in there a wet week, Tom, when Michelle asked us, could we deliver start your own business programs? Now, we, we were only live about two weeks ourselves. And of course we said yes. And we started to deliver it. And she really, really enjoyed what we were delivering. And would-be entrepreneurs that were coming in and registering for those courses. So without it ever being in the business plan, we quickly built up a strong client portfolio of enterprise centers and other government-related programs that were offering soft skills and professional skills and business planning uh, programs to would-be entrepreneurs. So in the first, um, which was great for us, Tom, from a revenue perspective, because we were able to deliver those over a four, eight, or 12-week period and get paid. What we definitely would have underestimated at the beginning was the length of time it was going to take us to crack the infrastructure of um, a brand like Powerade, for example, was one of our first clients. And that was nearly a six-month sales cycle. And if we didn't have the training side, we would have been in trouble. And over the first five to six years, the training part of the business actually grew and grew and grew and gave the oxygen to the other side of the business. So we were still Burn Conway Consulting right up to 2010. And we actually, we've always, we always had at the time, we were very lucky. We had the likes of Liam Griffin, uh, the Griffin Hotel Group, who had the Menard Destination Spa, who became a client, brilliant mentor to us, uh, great businessman. Martin Donnelly um, from, from Clare, originally my own county, very heavily involved in the business sport. Uh, gave us some early contracts and mentorship. Frank Cronin, a uh, great friend of mine, good friend of mine to this day. Um, Frank was head of Satanta Sports, very good to us. And they were, and, and our passion was probably always more so in the sport, Tom. But it was only, we developed a pretty decent sized business over three, four years, up to about a million plus, I'm going to say, from a turnover perspective. Again, profit, we could have been doing better, but we were building. And then, when the Celtic Tiger um, and the economic fallout from that, we were left with a big decision. Did we see our future in the business of sport or did we see it in the training side? And around that time, we had started to work with, and you'll probably see mentoring coming through me a lot, I think through a friend, we'd started working with a, a, a mentor and that led us then to be introduced to the IOD and Thor and the team there who we're still connected to to this day. And we brought in a non-executive um, an non-executive chair of Bobby Kerr. And Bobby obviously insomnia and, and, and Bobby was, was brilliant in, at that particular juncture for myself and Declan, strategically moving us away from the training side of the business and getting us to look at where our true passion lie, both our energies, both our focus. We had a handful of staff and on that staff at the time, which is to answer the question, were two uh, wonderful young students from UL who were working with us on call no more so than me and Declan had done in 1998. And it was those two ladies, Breen and Kelly, that came up with Innovo Training and Development and Titan Marketing as two trading names. So that's where those two names came from at the time, would you believe? And, and obviously Titan endured. We would have 
um, kind of phased out the trading side of the business into late 2010, early 2011. That was tough, but we knew it was the right decision. And when we looked at the hard numbers and, you know, Bobby there as, as our chair, we knew it was the right decision. So that helped take some of the emotion out of it. But um, yeah, it was, uh, it was, that was how uh, Titan uh, first emerged from a trading name perspective. Yeah, it's brilliant. And it's great to, it's great to hear a story such honest of humble beginnings, tearing your the window, the broadband, you know, the hustle and grind that goes in. Um, fast forward, if someone today, if you were to explain Titan experience to someone today listening to this, where's the business at today and who, who are you guys working with and what services are you offering? Yeah, I mean, I think I might try and answer that in, 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 in maybe in, in, in two phases here, Tom. There's been, so between kind of 2011 and 12, we came out of that with very much a laser focus on sport. However, as a wider company, when you're providing event and project management services to clients in sports sponsorship primarily, you inevitably get brought into other areas of their business. And that served us very well. There's no doubt about that. And in 2012 too, we got the opportunity to move into the mass participation space. And I see the Ironman over your right shoulder there. And that was a game changer for us too, because it kicked off a journey that has served us so well to this day Tom, and what I mean by that is when we originally started in the mass participation space, like we had already worked with clients like Samsung activating sports sponsorships. So we knew what they wanted out of something like a night run. And we delivered that inaugural night run for them in 2012. It was part of Samsung's wider budgets that were made available to them as part of London 2012. And it gave us the opportunity to work in that space and what I would have called back then a protected environment. What did I mean by that? In that, so regardless of one individual turning up the start line or 5,000, we were going to be paid. Like we had agreed a contract with Samsung, but we had made a promise to Gary Tuig and his team that we would deliver a recruitment target of 5,000, which obviously at a certain price point helped underwrite the overall event. And very interestingly, moving into that level of scale of events, it kind of, and that's been the journey right the way through, Tom. You get to a certain level, and then you have a sense of what the next level looks like. You keep pushing yourself. So it was delivering projects like the night run that led to us working on larger scale projects like the Cora Race Course. We managed the temporary facilities there for three to four years, which led us to projects like UEFA, which we were due to deliver along with Stadium Golf pre-COVID. So we've been on a journey for the last 10 years, probably more acutely in the last three, Tom to being a boutique sports events and experiential company. So, and within that then, one of the challenges for us as an, as a, as an event management company is that a lot of our competitors set, if they work with say a Bank of Ireland or a Guinness or, 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 or say um, Vodafone, they do sport in addition to a whole host of other areas. We're just sport. And that's something we're working on at the moment in terms of potentially bringing some new products and services and a new way of looking at that to certainly the brands in sports side of the business. Can we convince those companies to actually step away from uh, their existing operators and give all their support to us? Because we also, uh, led by Lawrence and Arnold McGuire, who you know well, we've developed a significant uh, capability set working with sports governing bodies. So two of the pillars at the moment are our sports sponsorship portfolio, uh, our brands in sport, I mean by that, 
and also what we're doing with governing bodies, both nationally and internationally. And then one of the other areas, you know, as very well from only as recently as the National Fitness Games is that we actually uh, have some of our own events. So with the likes of Cycling Ireland, we work with them on the Great Dublin Bike Ride, National Fitness Games UK. Up, you know, two weeks ago, we had National Fitness Games Ireland here. And what's very exciting for us at the moment, Tom, is that sports sponsorship is changing all the time. How brands are activating in sports is changing all the time. And it aligns perfectly for us with the work we're doing with governing bodies and also in the owned event space. So, yeah, I mean, if you, if you were to say to me, Owen, what do you think Titan could look like in the next 12 months? We've worked incredibly hard through COVID, um, developing new products to market like Leaders Lounge with Paul McGinley. Paul was incredibly good to us through COVID. We developed Stadium Golf with Paul and he's had a golf Joe Bedford. And that actually got us on. It only took me about eight years to do it, Tom. It got uh, Titan and the team on the Go Global for Pro Grow program with Enterprise Ireland. Like we're a massive believer in what is out there from whether you're in chambers of commerce, whether you're in small firms associations or aligned with Enterprise Ireland. And we've got on what we would have been chasing for a number of years, the Go Global for Grow program. And that's so exciting for us to be on as a senior management team because in 2018, we sold the mass participation part of our business to Ironman Global. And that was the beginning of, the, of a new phase for the company because yeah, through the air now, which took three years, Declan has stayed with Ironman and I've moved on as, as, as CEO of Titan and obviously built a new team in and around myself as we, uh, as we look down the lens of, of, of 23, 24 onwards. And ultimately, I mean, where are we going? Well, you know, I've always believed that from a sports management perspective, and what I mean by that, when you think about companies like IMG, you think about Essentially, you think about uh, CSM, that Dublin could certainly uh, deliver a sports management and events company that can compete on a global stage with competitive sets in London, Paris, and New York, and one of the brilliant journeys that we were enabled to go on when we were successful with the UEFA 2020, we did that on the JV with Octavo, was we got to see Titan equivalents working with all the 12 cities that were originally going to host UEFA. And we did our first event in the UK, and sometimes imposter syndrome can be a devil, especially in terms of maybe holding you back, in terms of are we good enough, or you know, are, are we losing the run of ourselves trying to you know, reach for that? And in 2015, we landed our first international event, which was Rock and Roll Liverpool. We were doing the running equivalent, you know, well, in, in, in Dublin. And that, for me, was a watershed moment because I always believed we could do that. But what was brilliant for us in the UEFA project is some of our top team got to work in UEFA and experience exactly what I saw seven, eight years ago. So we're really, really excited about um, the journey that we're on at the moment. And... You know, we are looking to follow in footsteps. You know, I mean, you look at, for example, what Rothko achieved, a creative agency out of Dublin six, seven years ago, having been um, obviously competing nationally and at a certain level internationally, landed some key global clients and put them, put that, put them on the, the radar of Accenture, uh, I think it's Accenture Interactive, Accenture Digital, and it was a multi-million euro sale and it's still an international agency operating out of Dublin. And you look at so many other areas of sports, Tom, whether it's golf, whether it's 
football, whether it's whether it's um, you name it. I mean, I'm just I'm kind of on a stream of consciousness here, but we compete brilliantly internationally, and I don't see why a deeply talented team out of Dublin can't be delivering the same to the international market um, from a sports events and experiential perspective. Yeah, absolutely. Great to get a full circle of, of where you've come from. It, oh, and if I go back for a second, not even go back, I understand a lot of people maybe listening to this, maybe thinking of starting their own business or maybe have their own business or a little side hustle or thinking of maybe their own venture. How important for you was networking, power of conversation, meeting people, knocking on doors and getting out there? Uh, very important. Um, incredibly important, Tom. Um, I remember, though, and, 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 and I think one of the things, it, it, it absolutely was crucial. What I didn't do, um, and Declan tried to, 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 to bring me around to, and I eventually got there, was to put as much structure on that as possible. And what I mean by that is going to the right events. I mean, look, you've got to take a point on certain ones and things like that. But trying to go to the right events, meet the right people, follow up in the right way. And, you know, there are so many ways in which you can you can um, hedge your bets on that. I mean, and what I mean by hedging your bets is improving your ability to deliver when you're in those environments. So two crucial books for me in that space and audio books now are, you know, one is Dale Carnegie, How to Win Friends and Influence People. I mean, I've read that, read that maybe five times in my 20s and into early 30s. Amazing book. Um, and also, not too far off, it would be Malcolm Gladwell's Tipping Point. Um, you know, really, really compelling read. And both the beauty of both of those books too, Tom, is that they're, they're not like your traditional format of a business book. I'm not saying that your listeners don't want to not read a business book. Like a modern, a more, a more recent publication that's really exciting and kind of talks to those two books in a style is Bob Iger's Ride of a Lifetime. Good friend of mine recommended recently um, getting stuck into that, and I did. It was absolutely brilliant. Now, that is kind of connected to, Tom, to maybe setting up a business in the creative space, the soft services or professional services space. But um, networking and engaging people, and that probably, you know, there's no doubt about that, that's become a little bit more complex in the current environment that we're in at the moment. And that's something certainly that's not lost on us um, and how we engage and pitch and meet with clients has changed quite dramatically in the last two, two and a half years. But, you know, I, 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 I can't, um, but look, it, it's, I was at an executive Institute lunch there um, two, three weeks ago. There was 600 people at it or people hanging around as much as they used to probably not. But again, um, there are brilliant networks and platforms out there. Um, and you can, you know, Ch Dublin Chamber of Commerce, I think I mentioned the SFA, county and city enterprise boards as well are brilliant resources. And then talk to those too. Be, open yourself up and, and don't be afraid to have conversations with, you know, the heads of those enterprise centres and, and, you know, their wealth of information about, you know, where you could network or what might work for you. But certainly applying a level of structure to it because you've only got a certain amount of time in a given week. You've got to be as selfish about that time as you can. I mean, yeah, I mean, look, there was a time when we started off, I mean, a little bit younger, certainly not as great, you know. I mean, I'm married now, I have three wonderful kids and, you know, all kinds of stuff going on there. And, like, there was a time, you know, I wouldn't blink at a 70, 80, 90, 100-hour week. But when I think back on those, of those 100 hours, what was really adding value and what wasn't. 
you know, and sometimes you can fall into that. I mean, I think we touched on before we even um, started recording, Tom, we talked about, you just have to be careful too about, the, it's, it can be over-romanticized, you know, running your own business. You can think that, you know, i got to be doing 100 hour weeks, or i got to be doing 80 hours a week. i got to be working harder than the, the next guy or girl, or i got to have the lights on later. You don't, it's your own journey, it's your own business, your own company, your own strategy. That's what you have to stick to. You've got to be careful. I mean, there's some really good stuff and you got to pick and choose what works here. I mean, there's some, you know, Simon Sinek would be somebody that, you know, more recently I would listen to a lot, watch a lot. He talks about the infinite game. He talks about the dangers of being, you know, overly comparing yourself to which certainly myself and Declan would have been prisoners of that. And a lot of that we've learned the hard way, you know, trying to say, well, we've got to win this to be better than them, or we've got to do this to do that, when in actual fact, no, we just got to make sure our strategy is right and keep following our strategy. And as I said, when you get particularly busy, you can find yourself drifting away from that. Yeah. Um, I'm conscious of time, on, and I want to try and fire a few kind of... Well, I'm okay to about for another half an hour, 40 <laughs> minutes, but I'm sure you're listening. <laughs> in another half an hour, 40 minutes. Um, you've talked about, I suppose... Um, what do you love about business and what is there one part you maybe dislike or load a little bit about business? Um, the only reason I ask is, as you say, business can be glorified, entrepreneurship, especially in 2022, social media, all you see is the highlight reels for people. And I think sometimes having an honest conversation of what people actually do and don't like, is just interesting. No, it absolutely is, Tom. I mean, you know, there's been, you know, we focused a lot on the high points over the last 35, 40 minutes or so, and there's been some really tough days as well. Um, but if you were to ask me, I mean, I would consider myself very lucky um, in that, you know, I played sport to a certain level. I certainly wasn't good enough to play professional sports. I, <laughs> the closest I came to Inter-County Harlem was one year with the Clare Intermediates, but I've always loved sports and a source of real joy and real education for me and being able to have one of my passions be a business and career pursuit is, 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 is a special place to be. Um, but you want to do it as well. I mean, a lot of it for me as well, Tom, is am I maximizing, am I maximizing my potential? Um, am I, and I, I love working with people. Uh, I mean, I'm blessed in, 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 in my senior team led by Lawrence, Lorna McGuire. And we're building, I suppose, the second phase of the company's history at the moment and working with that team, trying to lead that team as best I can, learn from them, um, inspire them, develop them. I mean, you get a huge amount of that. You probably saw that yourself in the National Fitness Games. There's a huge amount of the team there you've never even met before. And you certainly get a huge amount out of seeing them achieve, seeing them deliver. And that, that applies probably more specifically to the type of industry that we're in. You love winning too as well, Tom. You love the, 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 the challenge of it, the competitive nature of it. Um, but that comes with the other side of them when you don't win and when things don't work out. I mean, myself and Deck, I think, we, and I say we went to the, nearly went to the wall. I mean, I'm talking about we had an overdraft of about 20k. I think in 2009 was a great story where I'm on my honeymoon in, in, in Los Angeles and my wife is down at the beach and I'm waving down at her and everything is great. And Declan is actually heading to Ulster Bank in Tala 
to try and plead with them, although we were supported by a great guy in Ulster Bank, John Boyle, who's a friend to this day, that we could, uh, we had invoices coming in and we weren't going to go to the wall, but they were thinking about it. They were thinking about it, Tom. And they were stressful times. The last two years has been very, very stressful um, because, you know, sometimes you can put too much pressure on yourself and create so much noise that you can't see the wood from the trees. And that's why having brilliant mentors around you um, can help you steady the ship and, and see the wood from the trees and be open enough to listen to your team. You know, I'm always, I'm still making mistakes. Probably in the first six months of COVID, I kind of half shut down on the team because I was kind of thinking, well, don't, you know, we were on the cusp of, you can imagine, Tom, we were on the cusp of UEFA 1, about to deliver that. Biggest, one of the biggest contracts in the company's history. Stadium golf with Paul, Paul McGinley. And then bang, COVID came. And I probably threw it all on my own shoulders. And what I mean by that is, you know, the team managed us and, 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 and delivered brilliantly for us to grow through COVID. But I should have been more open to them with some of the stresses I was feeling, some of the pressures I was feeling. But I felt that if I shared that with them, that they might leave because the sports sector closed down. Um, so I'm learning. And, and, and that came out in some really good sessions that were facilitated by uh, a brilliant mentor of ours. Um, so you are learning all the time, Tom. That's the other exciting area for two. And, and with sport as well, it gives you a platform to, to be in a sector that can add real, real value to, to and really nice special moments. We don't talk about them that much, but like over the last 10, 15 years, leveraging our network at Titan, whether it's you know getting jerseys signed discreetly for charities or for you know people in vulnerable areas or vulnerable ways or or contribute like that. Sport is sport has a magic. There's a brilliant video. Uh, Mark Cuban is talking about the Dallas Mavericks and why he bought the team. He talks about the magic of what sport can deliver, a bit like music. You know, it's a different type of business, and I remember you know thinking to myself, you know, and I mentioned my dad earlier and. Um, <clears throat> Compose myself here now. I mentioned my dad earlier, and you know, it's it's uh, I you know the last number of years I've been thinking about, you know, how can we add value to to others that you know maybe maybe sport can offer a platform to, and we just about I think you met some of the guys at the week two, a couple of weekends ago. You know, it's a brilliant organisation led by um, by Trace Trace Coveney called the Together Academy, and I actually saw them. I saw them. How did I see them doing the hacker for the All Blacks and. Uh, it's a brilliant, brilliant organization. They're, they're doing a personal development and business development and work development programs for uh, young adults with Down syndrome because 95% of adults with Down syndrome have no job prospects. So we had them into Titan. It was brilliant, brilliant for the team. Um, the Kettering Academy students are, are, are just another level in terms of energy, in terms of enthusiasm. They brought a huge amount and they worked the weekend at the Together Academy with us. And Sport gives you those platforms too. So that's, um, I suppose, another reason why I suppose I'm, what, 15, 16, 17 years uh, now and probably can't see myself working and in, in, never say never, but um, certainly for the foreseeable future, um, it, it still has a strong hold on me as it ever had. Brilliant. Um, and Owen, you mentioned mentors there. Is there any mantra or advice that has always stuck with you over the years that... I don't know, you live by or helps you through challenging times or? Um, God, I'm trying to think now. Um, so many. 
so many great steers at different junctures we've gotten over the years. I mentioned some of the guys earlier. Um, I think the the definitely the one that I'm trying to 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 live by at the moment, Tom was at the moment is given giving my team the space to flourish. Like at times when you're the founder or at times when you've, um, I guess, seen yourself as, as ultimately kind of, well, I'm responsible for the success of the business. It's on my shoulders. It's on my, actually, if you can get out of your own way and allow other talent to come up alongside you and work with you and open yourself up to that and then give them their, give them that responsibility. It's amazing how much they can flourish because for me as kind of the, the CEO in the last two, three years, I've been very lucky. A friend of mine, Patrick Hickey recommended me working with Ian Kingston and Ian has a company called Essential Training and does a huge amount of mentoring and he has slowed me down significantly. And what I mean by that is, allowed and encouraged me to give more responsibility over to the senior team because I nearly have this mantra of, oh could def- we could definitely get the company to the next level we didn't have so many clients or we didn't have so much this or so much that and certainly as a senior team now we're probably more connected than ever and uh, we're still have a way to go and um, we're working on like the gold global for program at enterprise ireland now is a platform for us as for five of us to shape the future of the company. And we're doing that in collaboration with the rest of the team. And that takes, you know, and that's a world away from, you know, not, there was never at and around it, myself and Declan 15, 16 years ago. And if the company's going to be successful, it needs to have that level of alignment. It needs to have that level of, I'll tell you, one of the brilliant books I, I neglected to mention earlier. And look, going through some challenges at the moment, but it's a book kind of around culture. It's called, you know, Netflix, no rules, rules. And within it, and look, you got to be so careful because if you're going to go to, into that space, you've got to put your own shape on it. You can't just say, well, Netflix are doing it that way, so we're going to do it that way. you got to, and, and certainly that's uh, something that the senior team are doing at the moment in terms of shaping our future. But definitely one of the things that, that came through was how can you, as a leadership team, a CEO or a CEO or whatever teams you're leading, how can you provide a platform for your team to excel? And we're starting to meet more frequently. We had uh, probably our first, you know, in-person town hall um, and, and about two, three weeks ago. And it's just so encouraging to see all the young voices in the room. Some had to be teased out a little in terms of making contributions, but them feeling connected to to that they feel they have a space to contribute. I think that's one of the big things for any of us that are in leadership positions in any organization. Can you create the space for your team that they really feel that they have a safe environment, an environment in which they can flourish, enjoy themselves and really contribute because they care and not a huge amount of them. You know, they do care. They're spending 40, 50 hours a week, you know, and um, that's probably more so, like I've got loads of advice from different mentors over the years, Tom, there's no doubt about that but probably the one that's certainly more seismic for me in terms of the development, my development and maybe helping in, so I can contribute to the future of the company is, is that's what I'm working on, you know, quite a lot at the moment. Brilliant. Um, and last two on here, um, 
if you could have question we kind of ask most of our guests if you could have a meal with any five people dead or alive who would they be five yeah good lord Tom um, I've had a couple of guests say Adolf Hitler so we're open to anything yeah no 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 I mean dead or alive I mean some some that I'm intrigued or I've spent time with you know and, and, and I immediately kind of start to, to, to gravitate towards towards them if I'm being honest and I think your Tom Brady would be on that list there's no doubt about that and I hope you're watching this documentary on Disney at the moment. Yeah, I know, man, in the arena. I listened to another book. Uh, I think Bob Iger would definitely be on that list. Um, That's Mr. Disney, is that correct? That's Mr. Disney. I think Serena Williams, without a shadow of a doubt, would be on that list. That's I'm actually nearly pulling from some of the, the wish list guests that we have looked towards or we would love that we feel could deliver you know compelling to I'm, I'm, I'm at three there now um i think anyone else who's i'd love to have dinner with my mother once more yeah certainly would i think you know you 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 know when you get to that point in your life i definitely i think man man you know, she drive everybody absolutely cracked but certainly herself and serena williams get on she's a tennis nut so that's that's a start um who else who else who else that i've been really inspired by or, or I've watched I thought wow that's absolutely incredible what they achieved um, ask me another question I'll come back and I'll give you that yeah. fifth one right yeah. away there. Um, you've mentioned book recommendations a couple there is there any other books that stick out to you and then is there any habits or systems maybe it's an application on your phone or maybe it's something you do weekly that has helped you that could maybe help the listeners? Yeah, well, look, very interesting, actually. Um, I was I was asked by, um, through a mutual friend, to talk to um, um, a young up-and-coming, uh, uh, I won't say what sport it is, be unfair, but they're, they're looking to become a promoter, and become a manager and an agent of a particular sport. And they were, and, and he's, he's 28, 29, and what struck me, incredibly busy and I could see myself in him like 15 16 years ago and I could actually see I, I I in researching for the call I looked at certain stuff I had asked him to send me I came across a picture of him great looking fella and I could actually see the stress and strain of entrepreneurial life on him I could see it in his face I could see the redness I could see the tension and certainly I was lucky enough in one way Tom playing sport regularly that I took sport for granted. But when I retired um, from playing hurling and stuff like that, exercise is so critical. And actually time away from the phone is so critical in terms of just headspace for yourself, number one, and allowing yourself to think about the business or think about other aspects and freeing your mind up. Because when you're in those early days, it is, and it often was for us for years, Last thing you thought about at night, first thing you thought about in the morning. So exercise or, or whatever that looks like for you, whatever, it could be reading a book, it could be listening to music, whatever it happens to be, what can take you away? You need to give between the ears a break. You really do. You really do. Um, so that's certainly one. Uh, what was the other part of that question? Sorry, Tom. 
Just any other book recommendations? I suppose for me, one of the biggest things I learned, um, I learned this off a mentor. Every Sunday evening, I spend 20 minutes to plan the week ahead. It is a non-negotiable. And I plan what are my highest achievers, what I've got to hit. And it's the best thing. It relieves me stress throughout the week once I know what to do. But just ask, is there a system? Is there an app? Is there a to-do list? Is there something that you put exercise? That's a brilliant tip there. Taking time away, time away from the business. Yeah. De-stressing the mind, getting out for some fresh air, some movement, whatever it might be, can... Yeah, certainly. I, I, I wouldn't have the rigor you have there now in terms of the dude. And when I've tried and worked with everything over the years, I wouldn't have that rigor. But one of the things I've started to try to do, right, because sometimes too, especially when you're a husband or a father or a brother or a coach or whatever it is, and you have your own business and your own company, it can be hard to be present in the moment because you're there, but are you really there? There, you you know, you're sitting there and you're listening to your significant other and you're chatting away. You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. In the back of your mind, you're like, God, I wonder when we close that sale or week next week now or whatever it is. And what I have started to do, certainly on weekends, is if there's something big that knocks around in my head, draft up an email and I send it to myself and I shut it down. And I shut it down. Because if I don't, like you said, even with the rigor you're bringing up, you know, I, I hope that then from your perspective, it's Sunday evening, allows you to put your feet up watch Downton Abbey or whatever Tom Dalton's current poison is, but it allows you to switch off and you're present in the moment with family and things like that or, or whoever that needs to be. So I, I would be, it's not as rigorous as what you're doing, Tom, for sure. Um, but that is my way of, of taking that out, putting it somewhere. And I know it'd be ready for me there on Monday and, and, and free you up because certainly cognitively, you know, you need to be able to, to rest and you need to be able to give yourself a chance um, to, 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 to break um, and if I was going to have um, one other individual at the dinner I am certainly leaning towards um, I can't help it he's, he's one of my favourite actors I'm going to put Matt Damon in there so that's here but him and Brady probably to Boston but Brady's not originally Boston but yeah, that's my five. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. And oh, last one. Anyway, you said Dale Carnegie, great book, How to Win Friends and Influence People, Tipping Point, Malcolm Gladwell. You've mentioned Netflix, No Real Rules. Yeah. Anything else, anything else that sticks out for recommendations to listeners? Um, yeah, I'm just trying to think now from a business perspective too, Tom. You know what I mean? I mean, Branson's book comes back in, but that was you know, 20 odd, 200 years ago. Just trying to think actually, even from an audio perspective, what am I finding myself drawn towards at the moment? Um, you know, I listen to a lot of what, um, yeah, I, I, I think if you were to just align that and say, like from a YouTube perspective, like, you know, when I'm on the bike and I know I should be switching off, but when I'm just out in the, what's left of the spin bike outside the shed, I'm certainly not spinning on it. Um, I might be listening to, podcasts with Patrick Bet David. I might be listening to podcasts with um I'll tell you who's a special talent too. He's a young man called Jack Cavanagh, who we have done a lot of uh, a lot of work with in the last year. Um, and he's his podcast um is is certainly worth a listen. Um he is an incredibly talented young man and for various reasons has 
a unique perspective on life that deserves listening to. Um, so it's not a book, but I think the way things are changing now, audio and, and, and all of that side of things. Yeah. So brilliant. Well, listen, I, I just want to say a massive thanks for your time. And I have to give a shout out while we're recording this. Just the reason I was asking you, probably pushing you on the networking questioner earlier is I never forget teaching a fitness class in Dundrum and Kevin O'Halloran coming up to me. And he saw, I suppose, the drive or ambition or me wanting to do things. And he says, you need to meet a friend of mine, Owen Conroy. So I just want to say a big thanks to Kev. And I'll send this on to him so you get to listen to this. Because networking with yourself, meeting you, meeting the team and the relationship we've had over the years, be able to work together and do events together has been amazing. And it's been great to see your drive and how your business has grown over the years. So I just wanted to give Kev a shout out. No, not at all, Tom. It's, it's very interesting. And I remember when you first came into me and, you know, it's, it's something that an awful lot of the time, you know, those that are trying to develop, you asked me something earlier and I, and I was going to ask the question, I was going to answer it and I went off as I sometimes can on a tangent. I think sometimes if you can find individuals who have maybe walked the path that you're attempting to go on, it's gold. And I've been lucky in that way, especially in the last two to three years of a couple of specific mentors. And I think if there was one other thing, and I do preface this now by saying structure and strategy and some of my team that are with me a little bit longer than three years would be laughing if they do happen to listen to this going, because, you know, I would never always that way aligned because I came from a commercial role. I was driven. I had to deliver targets to the company, et cetera. But I have lived by that kind of mantra. I don't know if it's entirely Michael Jordan's quote, but, you know, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. But that's not to say you take every shot, but it's just there's, and, and don't be afraid. I mean, I, I certainly can't recall any time in my own career where a mentor has said no or someone has turned down. I think there's, there's, there's always that kind of community aspect there. To, to kind of reaching out to others because it can be tough, it can be lonely, it can be, it can be scary. Um, and sometimes, like in many other aspects of life or mental health, you're talking to someone who's, who's lived through that. I mean, look, I'm sitting here in front of you and probably, you know, I, I remember, and I, I shared this example with that young, young man I was talking to only last Friday. And I asked him, you know, what's the future for the company? He's built up a certain amount of talent and he's, he's managing a certain amount of athletes. And I said, show me what the company's going to look like. Or can you tell me what the company's going to look like in two years? And sure, in fairness to him, it was all about what he was going to do for the talent. You know, it was, you know, strategy and vision and structure. He still has a way to go there. But I, you know, said to him, you know, I'm actually, we're actually in, in we're still okay, second or third time around, we're still living that. Because when I was asked a similar question by one of our mentors about three years ago, before any COVID, he said, that all sounds great, Owen, but that's, that's like a stream of consciousness. And that mentor was honest enough to say that to me. So the other thing too, when you meet mentors, it may not always be sweetness and light. And you just have to make sure too, that you have to be an open book and say, you know what, that was a little bit harsh, but Maybe there's an element of truth in that. I need to look at that. Because sometimes you, you, you can gravitate towards mentors. And, yeah, he said, Tom Dodson, he's a great guy. You know, great guy. And you're kind of thinking, you know, it's, it's, you will find that 
some of the, the really good mentors will be honest with you and you need to be open to take the good with the more constructive elements. Never bad. Yeah. And I'll just finish off. Where can people stay connected with yourself and find out more about Titan Experience? Yeah, just uh, Titan Experience. Uh, .ie. Lorna, kill me for saying that because uh, we're, we're, we're about to start a whole uh, journey on the look and feel of all things Titan, but I'm on LinkedIn and, and like I say, um, and, and all our other social channels on Titan, uh, where I'm absolutely open, no more so than yourself or Tom, if anybody wants to reach out or ask some questions that we haven't addressed today and my own thoughts on it directly, no issue with that, man. And listen, really appreciate it, the chat. Great. I appreciate it. Thanks for coming on, Owen. Perfect.